Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burugun campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. It's just an absolute delight and privilege to be able to share with you this morning. Uh, my journey uh, with your church, with Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, goes back many, many years, as Graham mentioned last week, but also a great connection with many of your people over the years in our citywide work, in our work with Youth for Christ and other interdenominational agencies. Uh, just been a great journey. And you are, as far as I am concerned, uh, one of the key kingdom-centred churches in our city. And it's just a delight to see the way that you are supportive in the ongoing community work as a church across our city. Uh, continuing on from Graham's days in particular and now into Nick's role with the GeoNet and beyond, just to see the work that you're doing. But also to learn as we've journeyed with you on the history that you have as a church in planting other congregations. And there is no doubt that globally there is a raised awareness of the need to be planting new churches. And I'll speak a little about that this morning as we share with you. But I wanted to encourage you. I wanted to be able to say to you, the kingdom of God is expanding. And often in the West, we don't have that kind of perspective or understanding. We see a number of churches struggling. We we see that particularly the smaller church with facilities struggling to meet expenses and all of the demands that in a Western society are thrust upon it. But we're actually living in a period of time when the Christian church globally is growing faster than ever before in human history. That's hard to understand, isn't it? Um, I mean, in Africa, in Asia and portions across Asia, and then across into Latin America, we are seeing the explosion of the church. And now that's beginning to filter across into even our nation. As we've seen the figures decline in my lifetime, it's now bottomed out and the church is beginning to grow again. And that's so exciting to see that we are realising the opportunities that are there for us as churches like Mounties is able to surprise people when they come, surprise them with their friendliness, with their love, with their acceptance, but also a message that is relevant and able to bring hope and life in times of uncertainty. So I wanted to share with you four different aspects of the kingdom expanding this morning hopefully to be a challenge to you and an encouragement. And the first of those is I wanted to talk about the growth of the church. As you can see from this diagram, back in 100 AD, 360 non-believers to one believer in the known world at that particular point of time. And Christianity began to make an impact upon the world so that by 1000 AD, it was one Christian to 270 non-Christians. But then we move ahead to the 1500s and it's the birth and the time of the birth of the Christian movement 
Uh, many of the missionary movements started to be born from this time on. And the number has dropped to one Christian to 85 by 1900 AD, one to 21. By 1970, one to 13. To 2010, can you believe it? One to 7.3. And now today, if you look at the latest data and research, we would see that just less than one out of every three people in the world would profess to be Christ followers. I don't know about you, but that sort of figure, that sort of dark data is a great encouragement to me. I mean, in Australia, we would walk around and we'd say, hey, one in 10 people around here is a committed follower of Jesus. And that's even an encouraging perspective because often the media doesn't portray that, does it? And maybe one in every, every uh, five people have some sort of Christian religious uh, engagement. Certainly one in two Australians would believe, uh, affirm a belief in Jesus and the teachings of Jesus. That's got to be encouraging for us as well. And now we live in a time where the church needs to surprise, needs to engage people in a real face-to-face -face way. And I think this current climate is giving us an opportunity to do that. So that's the first thing that I wanted to share with you, that actually the church is growing faster than ever before in human history. It may not be our perception in a country like Australia, but globally, it's certainly the case. But then the second thing that I want to do illustrate for you is just the incredible growth in Bible translation. Now, this is a very quick point. And if you have a look at this diagram, you'll see that, uh, that Wycliffe Bible Translators, in cohorts with many, many other groups, has as a goal, and it's had for a goal, if you take their normal tra trajectory, they would believe that every language group, every language spoken could have a copy of God's word by the year 2150. But through the impact of computers, through the impact of phonetic devices that have made this so much easier, through the growing awareness and need for men and women to come on board to do Bible translation work, what we've seen now is that that has moved to be 112 years faster. So that on current pace, 2038 will see God's word in the hands of every spoken language in the world. How amazing is that? But the vision of committed groups is that we'll bring it forward even quicker so that in the next four or five years, we might see that achieved and great encouragement for us. And we're so grateful for our organizations and missionary agencies like Wycliffe doing a fantastic job of Bible translation. But then as we move ahead, we want to talk about the unreached peoples groups or the ethnies of the world. And there are 11,934 people groups in the world, amounting to the in excess of 7.8 billion people. Now, what is a, a, a people group? That's an ethno-linguistic group with a common self-identity that is shared by the various members. For strategic purposes, 
It is the largest group from which the gospel can spread without encountering any barriers of understanding or acceptance. 7.8 billion people in people groups. But this next slide, you'll see that there are 7,287 unreached people groups amounting to broadly 4.6 billion people. A people group is considered unreached, a UPG, when there is no indigenous community of believing Christians able to engage this people group with church planting. And the final group is what we call affectionately a UUPG. And this is an unengaged, unreached people group. And there are 3,175 unengaged, unreached people groups, numbering 278 million people. How do we define that sort of a group? It's an unreached people group where they are unengaged, when there is no church planting strategy consistent with evangelical faith and practice. And, uh, and what we see is less than 2% of the population is Christian within those groups. Now, we are seeing this list come down dramatically. I work with a young man. When I say young man, he's in his uh, late 30s now. But MK Bharti works in the uh, northern state in India of Bihar. Bihar is along the Ganges River or across the top of the, uh, the, the great country of India, uh, suffering enormously at the moment. In an email this week, uh, MK said that he'd lost over 100 of his pastors just in the last month to COVID. But the work is going ahead in leaps and bounds. And in the last three years, his ministry, along with three other international ministries, has seen 110 of the unreached, unengaged people groups, the UUPGs, reached with the gospels and seen uh, the gospel and seen churches planted. Pretty encouraging. I want to tell you the story about this young man. Um, his name is Roper Salada. A great image here of a little boy. I was privileged to take that photograph in this isolated village in the middle of Mindanao just three years ago. That little fellow is about 14 months old. When he was eight weeks old, Roper, along with a team of church planters, had gone to the Numayan people in the central highlands of Mindanao in the Philippines to an un, this unreached group of people. Over 400 people in the village, but there were a number of villages amongst the Numayan people. And they had made nine months preparation before going to plant this church. They'd been having little outreach minutes, minute, uh, meetings. They were uh, helping them with language and with schooling and with food and, and supplies. Very, very interesting. I was there to take this photo, photograph 12 months after the launch of the church. Roper, along with a team of YWAMers and others, went to this village with his people to plant a new work and cause for Jesus. But as they got to the outskirts of the village, there was crying. There were people uh, just in absolute distress. And when Roper got there, the chief 
of the village had this little boy as a baby of eight months in his arms. He was blue. He had stopped breathing. He had passed away. He was the heir. The chief had had seven daughters. This was his eldest daughter's first child, a boy who would become ultimately the chief in the traditions of their people, the chief of that village, and he had died. Roper said he was numb when he took that little boy out of the chief's arms and he just said to the team around him, pray and let's worship. And for the next 30 minutes to an hour, that is what they did. And Roper, as he cuddled this little boy, lifeless in his arms, saw over the next hour the baby's colour change. He then coughed, breathed and came back to life again. Two days later, 92 people in that village were baptised into Christ. A new church was born. We have since trained the leaders of that church and they have now reached out to seven other similarly placed groups of people with the gospel of Jesus. And peace has come to a warring region. Every, every couple of years, they would fight another tribe looking for extra territory and to be able to help uh, in their situation. Roper, as I was speaking to him this morning, is pretty excited because of the Abaca plantation we've been able to establish for him. And they have begun to harvest their crop and it's providing seed funding to help their church planting movement continued to grow in this region and this part of the world. It's such a privilege to identify with people like this. Unreached, unengaged people groups through ministries like DCPI, but beyond to the Joshua Project and many other groups have united in their cause to bring the gospel to every people group across the world. 20, 30 years ago, you wouldn't have heard of these organisations. God is on the move. The kingdom is expanding. It is growing. And it's such a privilege for us in the West to be able to play a part in this. And the final thing that I wanted to challenge you with this morning and hopefully encourage you as well, is that there is a great need. And the greatest need is church planting and church multiplication. You say, uh, why is that, John? Well, if you look at this quotation from Christian Swartz, he writes in his book, Natural Church Development, hardly anything demonstrates the health of a congregation as much as the willingness and ability for that congregation to give birth to new congregations. The opposite is true as well. Hardly anything is a more clear indication of illness than structures which by design hinder church multiplication or at best permit it as an absolute exception. Look at this second quote by Lyle Scheller. He writes that throughout church history, it has always been understood that the Great Commission mandates church planting. 
Now, as we teach our training materials to people, both here in Australia and beyond, what we are beginning to see is where there is a church with a kingdom perspective that has a heart to listen to the voice of God in a discerning way. God continually puts on their heart the need to multiply, the need to grow. Hey, it's so good that in a, a, a few weeks' time you're going to be celebrating the independence or the, the establishment of a standalone, your standalone baby, the Kubelup Baptist Church. How good is that? And I congratulate you on your collective commitment to that as a church. But can I challenge you? Don't stop there. Don't stop there. What is God putting on the heart of your leaders? Or maybe what is God putting on your hearts? Some of you in a regional church like Mounties, you travel some distance to come to this place on a Sunday. What about the people in your community? I wonder if God is stirring you concerning those opportunities. What about some of the churches that are struggling that need an injection of new life and encouragement? I share with you this story that we teach in our Church Planting Essentials course. Most of the miraculous church planting recorded in the book of Acts happened in the region that today is in the greater part the nation of Turkey. In the second century, by the end of the second century, as much as 60% of the region was Christian. Can you believe that? Yet today, it's 99.8 Muslim, with only 0.01 of 1% of the population being evangelical Christians. Most of these are on military bases and foreign corporate headquarters or enclosed communities. What's gone wrong? What turns a Christian nation into a non-Christian nation where today believers are being persecuted? While there may be other issues, the crux of the problem comes when churches have an unhealthy focus on themselves and neglect a commitment to church planting, to multiplication and the expansion of the kingdom of Christ. The seven churches of the book of Revelation are in Turkey. If you have a privilege to go there, once these uh, boundaries are released and COVID is over, you'll be able to visit the site of those churches. Look at the warnings of Jesus in the book of Revelation. Look at how their lampstick was removed because of the inward focus and the focus upon themselves and not the greater kingdom work of God and the warnings that came with it. So sad. I was privileged in 2008 to host a couple that came from America. Little did I know that due to references from other uh, men and women that we've known in the greater part of Southeast Asia over the years as we've ministered, initially through Youth for Christ and then with different agencies through the years. And in our itinerant ministry, as we've served the church in these nations, this, this man and his wife came to recruit us for their ministry. He was American. Forgive me. <laughs> I'm sure some of you will chuckle at this, 
But forgive me if you uh, understand my scepticism in his visit. He came wanting to talk about church planting. He wanted to talk about church multiplication. He wanted to talk about their work and what they were beginning to see unfold across the world. And because he was American, because of the name of the organisation, which I didn't resonate with, Dynamic Church Planting International. How's that ring for an Aussie? It just didn't sit. But Paul, as he shared with me, shared how they were principle-based, that their curriculum had been developed in all continents of the world. There'd been input by many leaders from all over the world. And how encouraging was that? But then beyond that, he said, we don't charge. Ah, now he's getting my attention. How often do you discover ministries out of, the, uh, out of North America that won't charge for their resources? And uh, how many of their staff are volunteered or self-funded missionaries? And yet this is a basic prerequisite and qualification in the DCPI ministry globally. He asked me to look at the curriculum. And then before he left, he just said, John, would you? And at our church in live streams in those days, while I was still in the senior ministry there, would you host a training? And could we at least just expose people to the training? I said, sure, we'll, we'll do that. And then he said, and I want you to teach the curriculum. I said, how can I teach the curriculum when I haven't done the course? He said, I'll give you the curriculum like we do to all of our trainers after they've done the course. But because of your experience, we'd love you under the guidance of a couple of our seasoned international trainers to give some uh, relevant material from a local context point of view. Okay. I sent out invitations and we did through uh, One Heart at the time, the equivalent of GeoNet that uh, now Nick is leading, um, etc. Um, we sent out invitations across the nation as well and over 40 people came to that training. Three days, three days to be committed out of busy ministries. Another half day if you want to become a trainer of the material. And we had this group of people come together and we began to hold the training program. Little did I realise, little did I realise the impact that that would have on my own life and ministry, but also the, the, the ministry of our church and then beyond in the lives of the men and women who came. We had a 68-year-old pastor who came. He's since planted two congregations. We had a man who came from Victoria who was a Vietnamese refugee. He's since seen seven churches planted in Melbourne and gone back numerous times to Vietnam to multiply the training there. Two women were attending the course and felt the call of God to go to the Sudan and have since gone and they've seen a church planting movement established there. Somebody came who had contacts in Indonesia and we're now seeing training multiplied there. Every state of Australia, bar the ACT and the Northern Territory, we've seen as a result of that training, churches planted. Three and a half days. By the second day of the training, the Holy Spirit just fell on the group. And what we saw in a profound way was the way that 
people's perspective of the church was changed. Mine was. I began to look back over the years of ministry and saying, oh, I wonder if I'd understood this, what would have happened? I wonder what would have taken place. Friends, I signed up. Uh, I'd been a volunteer for this ministry almost full time ever since. By 2012, I transitioned sideways out of our live streams church and handed over to our younger leaders. And I've been called the minister at large ever since, but with the freedom to just move and minister. Uh, God has been so gracious. But can you see this slide? Just a snapshot. Since 2011, we've been documenting everything we've been doing. 19 nations we've been privileged to train in. 3,200 plus new trainers. They are people who have not only done our training, but are now repeating it elsewhere. We've already trained, even in lockdown, a thousand plus people so far this year by April. Leaders trained up until two weeks ago, 24,636 leaders have been trained who have planted 46,415 churches. Hold your breath. Our data would suggest that a conservative 2,167,000 people have come to Christ as a result of these new churches since then. I find that hard to believe. But I wish I could take all of you with me when the borders come down for you to be exposed and to see what God has done. Um, we see the church exploding as ordinary men and women take hold of God's mandate and understand that God's desire is that churches plant churches. Somebody had the vision for a church in Mount Pleasant. Somebody from another church had that vision and they planted this church. I speak with confidence because everywhere we go, we see people who have come from a church or a part of the body of Christ have caught a vision to start a new church. And we need churches to reach this generation. We need new churches that are relevant to reach the next generation. And I want to see healthy churches established that will reach my grandchildren and beyond. Don't you? As ordinary men and women like you, like us, together, catch this vision we too can play a part in seeing the kingdom of heaven expand. I want to close by sharing just two quick stories. This next image is of a man called Muhammad. Muhammad came to Christ overhearing the gospel via radio. He responded to Christ. He was a sergeant in the Indonesian army. They were devout Muslims as a family. Muhammad gave his life to Christ and then began a miraculous, but what started off to be a pretty sad journey. Ultimately, his family divorced him, his wife and three sons, teenage sons. He was tried in an Islamic military court in the southern part of Sulawesi. That's the spider-like island in Indonesia. And the southern part is an area that is militant in its Islamic pra practice. He was sentenced to death 
come the day of his execution, he knelt before a hundred or so onlookers. And the man with the sword swung the sword to behead him. When the sword came down, it hit an immovable, invisible object centimetres from his neck with such force that the sword was released from the man's hand and wounded a couple of the onlookers. The court deemed that Allah did not want this man sentenced to death, but they banished him from Sulawesi and from his hometown. With no support, no known contacts, he ended up in central Java in a place called Surakarta. He's there in this large church, an Indo-Chinese church facility, and has been attending our training when we were there just three years ago. Muhammad caught a vision to go back to his own people. Our brother, just so alive, he sat in the second front aisle row seat. I can still see him today with tears at times in his eyes, with such attentiveness to the word of God and catching a vision to reach multiple people groups back in Sulawesi. He headed off some two years ago. We've not been able to make contact with him for 18 months. Maybe he's away, tucked away in isolation, reaching people. Maybe he's been promoted to glory already as other brothers and sisters we work with. But friends, it's a privilege to serve people like this who have a heart for the gospel and are committed to seeing their own people come into a saving knowledge of Jesus. This next shot is a picture of MK and his wife Punam up in Bihar. Remember earlier today, I told you the story of MK. This young man came to know Christ some 13 years ago. In an 18 month discipleship program, it was a miraculous set of circumstances. He was from a high caste uh, Hindu family. His brother was dying in hospital. No God, no Lord, no object, no one could help his brother. He was dying in intensive care when MK bargained with the God of the universe. 36 hours later, he encounters a Christian. The Christian says, can I bring a group in to pray for your brother? He was on a ventilator. He wasn't expected to live. Here's the miracle. MK said, God, if you are real, you heal my brother, I'll give you the rest of my life. He was an accountant, very successful in business. His brother was miraculously healed and walked out of intensive care or out of the hospital 36 hours later. MK, 18 months discipleship in Bible college, is exposed to some teaching by a Southern Baptist. You'd be pleased to know Mounties a Southern Baptist leader who gave him resources that would help him plant village churches. And he caught a vision for reaching the unreached of his nation. As of two months ago, they had planted in excess of 14,000 churches. 90% of his mission is funded from within India. It's an indigenous movement. 
MK, I'm privileged to journey with. I feel so honoured and privileged to do so. This building that you can see there is a mud floor. There's no cement on the floor. It's mud walls that have a little bit of plaster over them and a tin roof. 45 degree plus days while I was there. Friends, you have to see what God is doing to believe it. But if you go back in your Bible, say to Luke 9 and parallel passages like that, where Jesus is sending out the disciples, taking that simple teaching, they train people and they release them to go to the villages to reach people for Christ. Missiologists have heard of MK's story. They have now joined with him. He uses his training, which is the basis of our house church planting track. They use that training and they are working now with four major organizations in the greater Ganges vision to see a church planted in 250,000 villages. They are planting multiple churches by the day. If I hadn't been there, I couldn't share with you the conviction that I have about this man and his wife and the work that they are doing. It is so exciting. By the way, that building is not their building. They rent it. This whole ministry is an organic ministry where they use the homes of people. Brothers and sisters, The kingdom of God is expanding. But we have a a responsibility and I want us to take the warning of uh, Turkey very, very much to heart. What has happened in Turkey hundreds of years ago could happen here. I am glad we've seen the downward trend of the church in Australia plateau. But we now need the mounties of our world to catch a kingdom heart with a view to multiplication, not just adding the odd church here and there, but multiplying and beginning movements. I just spoke with your pastor at your cool, cool Balup church. How excited I was to know that as they're released, he's caught a vision and a heart to see the same thing happen out of Cool Balup now. May God use you here in Mounties, to do the same over and over and over again. May you personally be committed to the kingdom expansion by playing your part in church planting and multiplication to reach all unreached people. And there are many in our nation who need the Lord. May Mount Pleasant Baptist Church as a body continue to be committed to kingdom expansion by playing its part in church planting and multiplication to all unreached people, both here and beyond. May that increase. And I just want to thank you for the privilege that I've had of challenging you today. And as we close, and before I hand back to Nick, I'd just love to lead us in a brief moment of prayer. Let's pray. Father, I stand amazed at what you're doing in our world. I thrill to the way that you are taking ordinary men and women and expanding your kingdom. 
I thank you that there's a part for all of us in the body of Christ, a part for all of us to play. And Lord, I just ask this morning, as men and women bow before you in their lounge rooms, their family rooms, perhaps on a mobile phone somewhere out in public, wherever we are gathered together, Lord, we're still your church. I pray that you would find in each of our hearts a commitment personally to say, Lord, I want to be open to doing what you want to do in and through me. Help me play my part, whether it's here at Mother Church, at Mount East. Lord, if it's that, take my gifts and use them for the grace of this place. Lord, maybe there's also the opportunity for us to reach out beyond into other places and other parts. Maybe you want us to be a part of a team for Mounties as they reach out to help a struggling church here or a new church there. We just want to be sensitive to your leading. But I thank you that you are on the move. I thank you that you are expanding the church through the planting of churches. Your kingdom is expanding. Help us to play our part. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.